0: Dave and I have known each other for a few years now, and he told me that I had three or four hours this morning, and so um, luckily for you, I don't have three or four hours worth to share, so we're going to go with um, what we have this morning. But I, one of the things, I'm, I want to start off by just telling you um, how much I love your pastor. Um, there have been very few men in my life who have been man enough to stand up and guide me the way I needed to be guided. Very few men who've been given me the opportunity to know the Lord. And Dave is one of those men that loved me as a friend, but also was willing to stand in that gap between me and my um, foolishness um, at times to, to tell me, hey, Nick, no, that's, that's not what we need to be doing. And he, was, he is one of the few men in my life that I will continue to go to as encouragement. I say that to you to say this, love your pastor. Amen. And I know you do. I know you do. But don't take for granted the passion that God has put in His heart and for His family, because um, they are such a blessing to me and my family. My name is Nick. This is my wife, Jenny. Um, my oldest daughter, Emma, and my other two, Ryan and Paige are um, off somewhere, and so we are so glad to be here this morning um, we 're not going there yet, but if you want, our text this morning is going to be in Joshua chapter one. Uh, but before we go there, um, I just want to say a few things um, we 've had kind of a pretty big year two thousand and twelve all the way around. I think, um, I don't know you all personally, but I know as a country we've celebrated in um, also more in a few different situations. Um, we have um, seen another devastating hurricane hit the east side of the United States, um, and you can never prepare for those. We have seen some tragedies happen across the country with some just awful things that have happened. We've seen a presidential election that put everybody up in arms, regardless of your size, or opinions. Not everybody was comfortable. Um, we've seen a lot of different things. You all have seen some blessings, though. God brought you a pastor, right? That's a blessing, isn't it? Yes. Um, and um, you've seen some, I'm sure, personal victories, and some of us have seen some defeats. Um, 2012 has been a year for everybody involved. It's funny, um, I didn't realize, I didn't tell anybody what my sermon was on this morning, not on, by purpose. I just got caught up and Trust and Obey is a part of what we're talking about today for 2013. Trust and Obey. and um, We've got a new year coming up. How many of you actually will sometimes think to yourself, I'm going to make a New Year's resolution? Do you all ever do that? We could be honest. Okay, some of us do. Some of it's silly, like I'm not going to eat chocolate anymore, right? Some of it's going to be, all right, I'm going to go to the gym this year. Um and they don't even know who you are at the gym, but you've been a member for a few years, right? Um some of it's going to be uh yeah, I'm not gonna watch football no, we're not gonna we're gonna keep watching football. But we, we have all these, these things, right? We have these plans of, of goals of what we're going to set. Some of it, though, is going to be even on a more serious side. Okay, I'm going to know the Lord better this year, or I'm going to raise my family different, or my wife and I are going to have a better relationship, or I'm going to get a wife, or whatever it is. We have these goals and these plans, and we all everyone in here, even if we don't admit to them, have something in our mind, clean slate. Um, that's what I loved about in high school. Every new year was a new clean slate. I got to start from scratch, and so um, my previous records were abolished at my school and I got to start over. Not that I was a bad kid, but that was always a blessing to know that you could start from scratch. And we got 2013 and what God wants from us in 2013 and sometimes what we want for us tend to be two different things at times. So we're going to look this morning at what 2013 holds, the, the hopes, aspirations, the frustrations, the victories, the defeats, the blessings, and the all-around mystery of a, of a new year. And for you all, it's exciting because you've got new ministry a new life. And there's a lot of new things. And, and maybe, um, how many of y'all have small children? Okay, yeah, you got plenty of new, all the time. You know, we have three. There's never a dull moment in our home. All kinds of things. But what I want most is that I'm being obedient to what God has called me to. The thing that draws Dave and I together is we both, more than anything, love Jesus so much that we want others to love him as well. We're brothers in Christ. We have that bond, our desire to see God work in your lives. And I don't know you, but I desire for God to work in your life. You are Dave's flock, therefore I love you just like Dave would. And I would even if he wasn't your pastor. But my desire is for you to know God in such a way that 2012 is a just a distant barely memory because 2013 unfolds so much that god has opened up for you so much potential we're going to look in joshua chapter one if you have your pew bibles there it's i believe page 151 and now i tend to i'm originally from chicago so i tend to talk a little fast so i'm going to make you a promise i will slow down as best i can if you will speed up listening and we'll come to some middle ground, and I will, I will try hard not to talk fast. But I get excited, and then when I get excited, um, next thing you know, we're ready to go home. So um, we're going to try our best. But Joshua chapter 1, and before, before actually I actually read this, let's talk about what Joshua's going on here. Moses, we all know the story of Moses, right? If you don't, Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. And his goal is to get them and deliver them into the promised land. That's Moses' job. God has called him to it. And if there is a tougher job than that one, I'm not sure what it was. He had a few million, a couple million people that he's trying to get to do the right thing. And Moses is just doing his best. And actually, he's doing better than his best because God has used him so much. And Moses is, is getting them to that point And they get to the Jordan River right before they cross over. And the Lord takes Moses home. So Joshua is handed the keys to the ship. He's saying, "Okay, it's your turn," and Joshua now has got to do what Moses did—to step up. And undoubtedly, Joshua was nervous. There's probably some nerves going on there. You know, can I meet and do the things that Moses did? Can I be the guy that Moses was? You know, the stories that are going to be told of him—I can't compare to that. And and he may not have thought that, but I know that's probably where I would be. I don't know, God. I don't know. And so, Joshua chapter 1 is where God steps in and says, okay, let's talk about this for a second, son. And we're going to talk a little bit about how God is going to use Joshua and how that pertains to us. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them. To the Israelites, I will give you every place where your foot set. And as I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you and I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we'll continue on that in a minute. But Joshua is just ready to take on this thing, not sure what's going on. So God steps in and gives him some guidelines. And there are three things specifically that we're going to talk about today that God has told Joshua, listen, it's going to be okay, but I need you to hear this. So the first one is God calls Joshua to trust. God starts by proclaiming the promise once again for Joshua, and he reminds him of the gift that was laid before him. He tells him, hey, listen, all this land is going to be yours. I'm giving it to you because I am God, and I can do that. Everywhere you step, it's going to be your land. Everywhere you go, because I promised it. Now, up until this point, um, it's fun. I'm teaching a side note here. I'm teaching an Old Testament class at, the, at our local high school. We, we're given permission to go in and teach what um, they call the Clarendon Christian Learning Center. And our Old Testament class has started from creation up to this point. So we've, we've been going through and looking at all the promises that God has made up to this point in our class. And the kids um, are continually being, um, uh, our eyes are being opened to how much mercy God has offered the people. How much grace he's given the people. Because the Israelites were a stubborn crowd. I think we are probably a lot like them, maybe even worse sometimes, right? Because Moses and God clearly laid some things out, and they they keep wanting to kind of veer off to the left and the right. But God's mercy is like, no, 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 come on back. We, We got some stuff to do, come on back. And God's plans, he promised the promised land to them. God has made things in your life that he promises for you. Those things some of you have already seen, some of you may have never seen. But the, prom, the, the, the thing about understanding God's promises is we got to learn to trust God. God was telling Joshua that the need to trust would reap the rewards that they were desperately after a home. Although the land was given to them, though, that does not mean that there was nothing for them to do. God then goes and tells Joshua, listen, I want you to trust me, but so much so that there's responsibility involved in this trust. For you, there are things that God wants from you, but it's not just sit back and let me give you everything. In our Christian walk, we often think of it that way. That if I come and I've be a part, i got a good pastor, and he preaches the word, that's good enough for me. No, that's good enough for Dave. Not for you. Because Dave's relationship with Christ is not yours. Who he knows in Jesus is who he knows. And who you know is who you know. And God is asking you to trust him with your life. That means sometimes we have to be listening to what God wants from us. Now, I'm sure here at Park Baptist, you guys are an awesome community, and the love that abounds here is pretty evident. But there are churches at times where love is not so obvious. And where people don't treat each other the way they should. And that, that happens. That's it's sinful human nature. It is a part of it. However, when we tolerate that lifestyle, it's like we want to trust God, but we won't, don't want to do anything. We just want to walk home, open the mailbox, and God's promises are sitting there. That's not how God wanted it for Joshua. It's not how he wanted it for Moses. And it's not how he wants it for you. He's asking you to trust, and that means obedience. We're going to get into that in our second point here. But God's saying, trust me. My plans are better than yours. Now, if you're married, there are times when we make up plans, men, and we think they're great plans, and our wife's plans tend to be better, but we're not going to admit that. And my wife will be like, we need to do this. I'm like, no, no, this is what we need to do. I'm going to go, I'm going to continue, and she's like, no, I think this is a better idea. And then I finally learned that her idea was better. And it takes a lot of humility to tell her that. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But trusting and recognizing that your plans are not always the plans that are necessarily what needs to be followed. We are called to trust God in His mercies and that He will provide. You know, one of the things we do at the beginning of this Bible class is we teach them an understanding of what the definition of grace and mercy is. Grace is getting a gift you did not deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. We have been given so much mercy So much grace. That how we could not love God more than we can stand it, I don't know. Because the the person that I am, I can only think of God's grace in my life. I, you know, hey, and I'm not trying to pick on myself here. I'm a pretty pretty broken guy. But God's grace and his mercy makes me complete. We're called to trust. He also promises that in verse 5 and 9 he'd be present. Um... He says, let me find five. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And although he's talking to Joshua, he's also talking to you. When you trust God, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to walk away from his children. That's not what God does. It's never been what he's done since the beginning. It's not going to be what he's going to do at the end either. God is with you. So the courage that we have to do the difficult things comes from the fact of knowing that it's not by ourselves. We don't go it alone. Joshua was not given the keys to to guide the rest of the Israelites into the promised land, and God didn't just say, figure it out. He's like, here, I'll be back later. Hope it works out for you. you no, know, God's like, I, wasn't, uh, I never left Moses. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave Paul. I'm not going to leave um, Pastor Dave. I'm not going to leave you in the congregation. I am here. You just need to trust me. That's a promise that I want to hang on. I will be with you. Because there are days when I'm not sure anybody else is. And I don't mean that, right? We all have jobs that sometimes create difficulties. Or families that we don't always get along with. Now it's the Christmas time. I'm sure none of you had uncomfortable moments with your family at Christmas. you right, that that just doesn't happen. It's Christmas. And and we we laugh and joke, but we know some of us are hurt. And we know some of us have been through a lot. Some of us have done and, and experienced things that we wish no one else would have to experience. But the beautiful thing is that God is with you. God wants you to trust Him with your family. He wants you to trust Him with your finances. He wants you to trust Him with your church, with your kids, with your community. It's funny how people oftentimes think that they know it's better for their church than God does. And I don't I don't know y'all, so I, this doesn't come from, from you. I just know of my experience. No, I think God has this worked out way before we did. Our obedience to trust Him is where that needs to be. It's not... Not our own understanding. All these things in his hands would be amazing. And to receive the blessings in these areas requires you to learn to trust him. Trust God that when you train a child in the way he will go, you're planting roots. That even if things don't go the way you plan, those roots are solid in the word of God. We pray often, hey, I know the the jokes about pastor's kids, but I have a couple of them. And I pray a lot. I'm like, I don't know, Lord. Should I go sell insurance? Because these kids are all, I know they're good kids. They are, but they just love life. And, and you know, but I know, I know that when my wife and I are sitting down and we're we're teaching them God's word and we're rooting them in the things that they, I know that that is going to matter later. I know that because I trust his promises in that. I know that when I give to God faithfully, that he's not necessarily going to give me more. But I know he's going to bless what I do have. And he's going to create in me that love for giving. My family and I love that part of our life. I know that in my community, when I trust God with my community, that he will indwell in it. But it's difficult to trust, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Why? Because we don't trust each other often. We see things and scams and people all the time. Just last night, I'm sitting in Barnes & Noble. And someone tried to pull a scam on me while I'm sitting in Barnes & Noble. They wanted to to borrow some of my stuff. I'm sitting there, and they go, come Can I have it? No, you can't. If you need my help, come over here. I'll talk to you, but I'm not giving you my stuff. And um, and just all these different things. We have all the time these old ladies at our church, no disrespect. I shouldn't have said it that way. They are far older than anyone in this room. Um, They, see, I can't take that back, and I apologize. I didn't mean that, you know you get going, much love. But they, they've gotten phone calls from these people claiming to be their grandkids. And they're not their grandkids, wanting them to send them money. Oh, grandma, I'm sick. Can you wire me? Who is this? It's your oldest grandson. Uh, and this one lady almost fell for it until her husband's like, no, 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 no. Um, it, it, we don't trust people because the world is broken right? It's broken. And, and even when I want to trust people, it's hard to because it's broken. But the thing is, when I trust God, I can trust you. Because even if you do take me for my money or my things, God still got me. Even if you do take my money, He's still in control of my life. And we got to remember those things. Trust is something that we can't always let people earn. Sometimes we have to give it to them because we have to trust God. And we're waiting for them to earn it. Some of them are never going to. And, and you know that I'm not saying we give everyone the keys to our car and say, hey, I wish you the best. No, but we can't have this heart where we're guarded so much, guarding the things that we, we want to protect when God's saying, listen, just trust me. I'll take care of your stuff. You need to trust me. The second thing was the call to obey. The Lord's promises to Joshua did not mean that he and the people had no responsibility. God gave them specific guidelines. After he says all this, he tells Joshua, he's like, all right, listen, this is what I want you to do. <clears throat> be strong and courageous, verse 6, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law of my servant Moses gave you do not turn from it to the right or to the left they may go on that you may be successful wherever you go do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it then you will be prosperous and successful have i commanded you be strong and courageous do not be terrified do not be discouraged for the lord your god will be with you wherever you go He calls them to obey. Joshua also does this in verse 10. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here um, to go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men fully armed must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. I'm going to stop there for a minute. God gave them instructions, and Joshua's immediate response is to obey them. God says, listen, first of all, remember those commandments? Now, they are fresh in their mind. They'd just gotten them a few years earlier. Those commandments that Moses walked off the mountain with, yeah, obey those. Don't go to the left or to the right. What that means is you don't have a better option than the one I'm giving you. One of the reasons why I'm not so sure we would do any better is because if God told us, okay, I want you to go take that land, people, 2012, go, what we would do is like, well, hold on, I know a guy that can get us that land cheaper, right? Or we'd be like, Wait a minute. I, I think it would be probably better if we go. We don't want to, we want to come up with our routes that are better and better options. You know, maybe we can come to know God if we do this a little bit differently. Well, you know, I think if I just listen to really good spiritual music while I sleep, I will, you know, it's like that osmosis in high school. It never worked, right? Sleeping on your science book. How many of you like science? Good. Oh, sorry, I apologize. No, I do like science. I just wasn't really good at reading my science book. And the thing is, God is wanting us to be obedient to his commands, to the T. God didn't give us instructions and say, do this, do this, and this, if you want. He's saying, Joshua, if you want this land that I promised you, you've got to be obedient to me. So Joshua didn't even hesitate in that. He's like, okay, fellas, this is the plan. Three days, we're going to go march. This is what you do, you guys Although you're up front, I need you to go protect everybody else. Go. And he laid it out to them. And he's saying, listen, we've got to be obedient. In 2013, the way we pursue and know God more is by being obedient to his word. And you're saying, I'm not sure what the word is. Then open the book and read it. Don't wait for the pastor to tell you what it means and is calling for you. If you're saying, I've never read the Bible before. Okay, I know some people that will guide you in that. Some of them sitting in this room right now. You know, you open up and you start understanding the words of Christ when He's reading, and you'll learn what the obedience He's calling you to, the things He's asking you to be. But some of it's very simple. God calls you to love, right? He calls you to um, be um, a a good neighbor. Now, I'm trying—I'm not trying to water this down, but if you read the book, God has laid out some things pretty clearly. But He's calling you to be a man in your home, right? He's calling you to be a, a spiritual leader in your family. He's calling you to be obedient to the leadership put before you, whether that's government, whether that's your pastor, whether that's your boss. He's saying, hey, listen, you need to obey these people because I put them there. As long as they're going, you're not going against God's word. You need to follow. I put them there. And, and for us to see results in 2013 requires obedience. Joshua could not have veered off of this anyway and still received that promise from God. That doesn't mean God wouldn't have kept the promise, he just wouldn't have used Joshua. God's promises are going to happen, but he's saying, listen, if you want to be a part of this, then you listen to me. I don't know about the rest of you all parents. Uh, see, I have only been in South Carolina for five years, and I say y'all pretty quick. It caught on fast. Um, but my children don't always do what I ask of them. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? My son specifically. Um, we have a situation in our house. It's called the alpha male problem, and we got two Alpha males, he wants to tell me what to do, and I don't want to be told what to do, and Ryan, come here. He doesn't want to, and he doesn't want to be obedient to me. Now he's three, and we've got some time to learn why, but that, if that trend continues as he gets older, there's going to be a problem, not just in our home, but in who he is in our community and the kind of person he becomes when he goes to school. And gets a job. Because if he can't submit to authority, we've got a bigger problem than whether he's listening to me. Uh, And and I say that to you because that's a problem we have as a culture. We've we've kind of let this authority thing, well, if we don't want to listen to them, we don't agree with them, we don't have to be obedient to them. That's not true. God has called us to be obedient. Verse 7, God makes it clear for the plan for Israel to receive all that God promised that they had to be obedient to, I mean, they had to be so obedient that there was no veering left or right. Now, I'm never going to claim that by doing all these things, you're going to have a successful good life, because I don't really know what that means. But I am promising you this, you're going to be full of joy, and you're going to be filled with a spirit to where whatever does happen, you're going to feel like it's a good life. You know, you may not have the best day you've ever had. truthfully, we don't always get those, I'm sure Joshua didn't have a a great day every day of his life. I'm sure Moses wasn't always like, man, things are fantastic. God has asked me to go stand in front of Pharaoh. No, Moses, it was a struggle. There was an internal battle going on with them, but they knew trusting God and being obedient to his word was going to fulfill whatever God had promised for them. They knew that. So much of our lives are built upon success and success stories, but that doesn't mean I think we've got a false view of what success is. Like for your church, for example. A good church does not mean you fill up every single one of these pews. doesn't mean you have a thousand children sitting in the front rows and that there's a thousand teenagers here. What it means is, one, you've got a pastor who will preach uh, unapologetically the Word of God and a people who have a community, who love each other, who are willing to learn and to grow. And it appears that's what you have, but that's what a success is. It's not... All these big things. Oh, we're going to rebuild a new sanctuary. Well, good for you. Maybe you are being successful, but I don't think that's our measurement of what's good. And, you know, It's not the newest thing either. You know, it, does, it doesn't mean, not that new things are bad, because they're not, but we can't use these things as determining what is successful. What's successful is when God asks, we follow. When he says go, we go. When he says stay, we stay. That's what success is. The third thing that God wants from Joshua is to understand that he is called to rejoice in the grace of God. I wouldn't stand here today if I didn't have God's grace in my life. It was the grace of God that caused him to promise to give the land of Canaan to Israel. God didn't have to. They didn't earn it. They didn't deserve the promised land. It was God's grace. The things you want in your life aren't because you are so awesome, even if you are. It's because God loves you and wants you to have those things. It's God's grace in your life. Your families that you have, God's grace that gave them to you. The job that you have, it was because of God's grace that you have it. We don't, in ourselves, can't become good enough to acquire any of these things. We are flawed, but God's grace makes us complete when we trust in God. God. It was that grace that caused him to appear to Joshua and encourage him. Joshua and the people of Israel did not deserve these things. Let me read this to you. God has given us promises that he will not fail to keep. Some of them are this. The Lord promises us to be with us in Matthew chapter 28 and 20 and Hebrews thirteen five. He promises that he will sustain us in Philippians 1, 6. That he will bless his word, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. He promises that he's going to sustain his church in Matthew sixteen eighteen, He also then promises that he will eventually come again to receive his people to himself in John 14. And he also says that we should confess him as Lord of all in Philippians. God says, when you trust in me, I will promise you these things. And I'm not going to lie to you, I don't need anything else other than that. I might think I do, but I really don't. As we approach the new year, there's one more thing I want to share with you. Part of Joshua's story that I believe will shed light for the striving to, as we move throughout our new year. In chapter 3, I'm going to read this to you. Chapter 3, verse 1. Actually, no, verse 10. They're, they're right on the edge of the, the, the sea here. They're getting ready to cross over. And he says, This is how you will know that the living God is among you. That you will certainly, wait a minute, I'm reading the wrong one. How about, let me go back. Yeah. I have it right here. I'm sorry. I was reading that and I'm like, that's not what I want. All right. Verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Now this is how they're going to know what to do. He says this, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow he, the Lord, will do amazing things among you. The Ark of the Covenant represents God's presence. It is where... The people, the Israelites, um, knew God existed in the Ark of the Covenant. And Joshua says, This is how we're going to do this. When the ark passes you and your family, you follow suit and you follow the Ark of the Covenant. As it is passing over the Jordan into the new land, that's how you're going to know where to go. You follow God's presence, that's how you know where you're going. That's how the Israelites I mean, there's a lot of people. That's how they knew what to do. They would follow along, and as it passed them in the camp, they got along right as God commanded, right the right distance, and they moved over into the new land. Now, conquering this new land was not a simple task, but they trusted. Two thousand thirteen will be a different year for you if you follow the presence of God. If you follow God's presence as He's leading up behind or past you, you follow along. That's how you're gonna know where to go. That's how you're going to know what to do. That's how you're going to know what decisions to make is when you follow the presence of God. Well, what does that mean, follow the presence of God? Well, for the Christian believer in this room who has known the Lord for a few years, it means opening up the Word and for real devouring it, being a part of it, being it a part of you. You can read um, John Grisham novels like it's nothing, right? And you can read books, but for some reason the Word of God, no, this is the most important thing God has called and left us. This is his commands for us. He didn't speak to us like Joshua because he gave us his word. We have his word, so we don't have to have that. We also fellowship with one another and brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why being here is important. Not because this is the only place God can be, and not because this is a beautiful building and that's the best place to do it, because this is where God's people are. That's why you fellowship. You don't forsake the gathering of one another. This is how we find God. We raise our children here so they know this is the priority in their life to know where God is, our family is going to be. You've all heard the the verse, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's why our children are grounded in this. That's when we we come and attend church, we pray. And I'm not talking about God bless my neighbor with his broken leg. I'm talking about giving God your heart. I don't talk to my wife that way. Hey Jen, you know, so-and-so's got shingles. You know, we, we, that's all we talk. No, we have communication. I might tell her those things along the way, but we, we know each other. God and I know each other. That's how you follow the presence of God. You are with him wherever you go. You submit to the authority that God has placed before you. They could not have done it without Joshua. Not because Joshua was um, something special, but because God had given him the authority to lead. And you can't go alone without your pastor or the other Christian leaders that have been put in your life. 2013 can be something special for you if you learn to trust and obey. And when you think about these songs that we sing, think about the words behind them. And I'm not going to lie to you, trusting God and obeying God is not an easy test that even I can do easily. I struggle at times, because trusting Him means doing things that I'm not comfortable with, or maybe that I'm not used to, because I like comfort. We do. We all like comfort. Being obedient means I'm going to have to sacrifice a little bit of myself to do the thing God wants, and sacrificing is not something I'm always up for, right? I'm not always willing to, but the truth is, every single time I've given God what He wants, I've never regretted it. So I just want to encourage you with this today. I want to encourage you that this new year can be exciting. And this new year can unfold so many different memories and things in your life. But spiritually, it can become a whole new thing too if you can trust and obey God the way Joshua did. He led the people into the promised land, finally fulfilling the promise that God had made years back. God has made promises in your life to you. We've said some of them to this, this morning. Some of you have never seen a promise fulfilled from God, maybe because you don't know what they are. But God promises to love you, to never leave you, to sustain you when you trust and obey in Him. Let us pray. Father God, we thank You so much for all that You are, Lord, and all that You do. Lord, this morning I pray that as we are gathered here, Lord, I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to what it means to know you more, to trust you more. God, I ask that you reveal to us what it is we need to know this year. Lord, I pray that if there's someone in this room this morning who doesn't know you, Lord, who has never um, given you their life and trusted you in obedience to follow in your steps, Lord, I pray that you encourage them this morning. As we have this moment uh, of worship, Lord, I pray that they can come down and pray and God, I pray that you just be with us all for Park Baptist Church, Lord. I pray that you bless them, put your hand upon them. Lord, guide and direct their steps. We thank you for all that you're doing, Lord, and it's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.